Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Darian Pika started as an intern at USC and is now an assistant strength and conditioning coach. She has a bachelor's degree in health and human sciences from Loyola Marymount and a master's degree from Cal State Fullerton. You'll learn more about her training strategy and athletic background in the podcast, but let me tell you this, she is the real deal. She knows what she's talking about and she's a passionate and relevant voice in the field. You can learn more about her and her training strategies by finding her on Instagram at Coach Pika, that's P-Y-K-A. After seeing pictures and hearing about the lifestyle down at USC, I'm surprised more young strength coaches aren't throwing their applications in their direction. Learn from a refreshing and up-and-coming voice in the field of strength and conditioning, Darian Pika. Find out more about the Good Athlete Project. Find us on social media at Coach the Number Four Kindness. That's Coach for Kindness, or at GoodAthleteProject.com. You were training um, this absolute Thor-like behemoth. <laughs> yes. Yeah. T- so, so let's pick up there. That is my baby brother. So his name is Austin, and. He, uh, he was entering his last season at Chapman. At, at that time, I was already a strength coach for a couple of years, and, and he would not – I would build him some programs, but he would not come and let me train him. He's a very stubborn guy. And I'm like, Austin, like, this is what I do for a living. Like, come in, get some training in. Um, and luckily, you know, the last three months before his season, he's like, okay, I'll come in. So I finally get him in, and he's never done movement stuff, lateral power stuff single leg stability, never has done any of that stuff. And for his career, he's always dealt with injuries. Um, we have some shoulder problems. We have some lower body, ankle problems. Um, and his knees, he's a heavy guy. He was about like 285 at that time. And his knees would always hurt. But he has that mentality is like lift, lift, lift. Like all he wanted to do was lift. And I was like, okay, let's slow it down a little bit. Let's get some single leg work in that he's never done. Because like, you know, you kind of trick him in a way. It's like, oh, it's really hard, but you're, you don't, you're not loading the spine as much as you think you are. So he thinks he's getting a lot of work in, which he is. Um, but it's really hard for him because he never was able to balance uh, on one leg. So I finally get him in and do a lot of change of direction, movement efficiency, uh, and single leg work with him. And he had the best season he's ever had. Yeah. I'm not I'm not saying it was all me, of course not, but he was finally healthy, and that's all I cared about was, was his knees were finally healthy. Um, he got the defensive player of the year. Uh, his team did really well. They won their um, league, so he had a really good, healthy year, and, and, you know, he's very appreciative, and I know that. I just wish – I really wish he came to me sooner. Um, but, you know, of course, there's that saying within just, like, coaching, you can – you know, lead them to the water. I can tell them all I want, lead them to the water, but I can't force them to drink. So I finally got him to drink the water and buy in to his own sister, um, and I think it really paid off. I love that, and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pause on it for a second the, uh, before we go into your full bio. But but what an important part of strength and conditioning that is, and and we all get sort of like enamored with uh, performance numbers and tracking and, and validating what we do. Uh, oftentimes by by that sort of production, and I think and I think we should track and I think we should analyze our methods and make sure that what we're doing is working. 
But um, yeah. you know, so much of so much of the Good Athlete Project, regardless of realm, whether in this case strength and conditioning, is about intentionality and really being deliberate in your process. Um, and it sounds like in this case, recognizing that this big, strong human being was not able to meet his potential, not because he wasn't strong enough or whatever it might have been, uh, but just for health reasons. Like, like that. It, it's funny. Um, it doesn't sell on Instagram as well. It's not like sexy to say, "Hey, here's some some knee prehab sort of you know prevention injury prevention stuff." Uh, that's not as cool. It doesn't get as many clicks as like a max effort deadlift or something like that. But it feels like such an absolutely essential, important part um, to the athletic experience and this mission. And and I'm so happy. First of all, I'm happy that your your brother did well. I'm happy that he stayed healthy. But then just for like the storyline too, it's like. This dude had all the power in the world. Keeping him healthy, keeping him safe, um, was it sounds like he was a difference maker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he would be embarrassed because I'm having him do like a, a single leg goblet squat with only 20, 20 pounds in his hand. He's like, no, don't film this. I don't want people to see this. They need to see this because yeah. here it is, this guy that can uh, delve a bunch of weight, squat a bunch of weight, but when it comes to single leg, you know, it's, and I talk about this with all my athletes. We have different buckets to fill. Uh, we got our strength bucket, our mobility bucket, like just power, explosive strength. And he had the bilateral strength bucket filled and overflowing. I told him, this bucket of single leg stability, it's not there. So we need to fill that bucket and make you more of a well-rounded athlete. Um, so I got him to kind of check the ego out the door a little bit and um, make sure I, I was able to film those and, and put them on. And, and he was okay with it, finally. Right. <laughs> Well, it's awesome, and, I'm, and and again, I am happy to hear it panned out. Who does Chapman play, by the way? They're they're south, right? Yeah, I know they play Laverne, um, Whittier, gosh, uh, Lutheran, Cal, Cal Lutheran, um, and I'm not. I can't listen. Oh, so they're so they're west then too. I guess, yeah, I guess west, Orange gotcha. County kind of area. Um, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not positive about the Skyac is the is the league name. So you saw it pan out and you got to work with your brother. Tell me about your brother, about your family, uh, a little bit about you. We want to hear about your bio, please. We are, we are a very athletic family. Um, all our lives, uh, we've all been athletes, um, successful athletes. My sister did shock and field. She was a hammer and discus throw at USC. And then I played soccer at LMU and my brother played football at Chapman. Um, and, you know, Parents always took us wherever we needed to go, what tournament. One, Austin had a football game at night. I had a uh, soccer game in the middle. Like, it was always just go, go, go with soccer practices, football practices, and everything else. Um, so, really, my dad played football. Uh, I played football at JC, and my mom did cross country. And so, they kind of just put us into sports early um, yeah. and kind of see what clicked. So, I've been... I was an athlete all my life. I was a multi-sport athlete in high school. So I ran cross country. I was a pretty good runner. Um, and then I played soccer and then I did track and field as well. I threw the discus, threw the shot. Um, but I also ran the 800, 400 and mile. So I did a lot. Um, but soccer was truly what I thought I was uh, better at. So I followed soccer, did all the club sports, um, traveled a lot, went to all the showcases. Uh, and unfortunately, I wasn't looked at heavily. Um, I don't know if I was in the right place at the right time. I wasn't being uh, persistent enough when I was younger. But finally, 
I got into um, LMU, and I was a walk-on, kind of lowest of the totem pole. And throughout my high school, I've always been a fighter, um, and I've always been a very hard worker. I, I wasn't I wasn't the most talented. I wasn't that star player on the field. They're like, wow, look at those skills. But I I worked really hard, um, and I was very aggressive, and uh, um, yeah, I ended up getting a spot. Um, on the team and started playing, um, but really at LMU is where I found my love for the weight room because I was a walk-on, um, and I I found through the through weights I got bigger, faster, stronger than my teammates and my opponents, and I was able to compete at the level that I needed to compete at. Hmm. Um, so I just appreciated what it did for me and how much it impacted my life, which kind of led to okay, I want to do the same for others. Um, so, but, you know, high school, high school is great. Um, I got a lot of awards and I was recognized, but just never got that, never got that scholarship that I wanted until, until luckily my sophomore year, I earned money and I got onto a full ride and, and, you know, began LMU being a walk-on and ended being the captain with a full ride. So that was a very successful story. It was a, it was a hard time, um, especially during my sophomore year, but I, uh, I overcame it. So it was was a great experience. I love that. So, so a a lot of what we look into is, um, motivation, just human behavior, like what pushes people along. So, uh, if you had to identify some things when you weren't totally sure, like you were, you were obviously getting support. It sounds like you got support from your family, uh, and you, you were getting, uh, recognized for performance in certain ways. Uh, but in that kind of interim period before, you know, when you essentially had to earn your keep, when you had to earn your spot early on at Loyola, um, what like what were some some tricks? Uh, not tricks is the wrong word, but what were some habits, some mindset staples? Like, what got you going to practice every day? What moved you? One one of them was I had to get money. I had to get a scholarship, which is it's the the bad way to look at it because it turns you into a job. But the good part of it is I'm a huge Rocky fan, Rocky Balboa fan. Like I am obsessed and i would watch all his movies i listen to all his quotes especially from the last one from rocky balboa and he's the one like if i had to say who got me through college it's rocky balboa like (laughs) without a doubt so he was the one that you know the world ain't no sunshine and rainbows kind of thing and i was like you know what you're right like i'm gonna make this experience how i want to make it and you know control the controllables for sure but i one thing that you can fix is your attitude and how hard you work, and I really took control of that. Um, so Rocky Balboa really got me through and uh, really kept me going and, and gave me a really good junior and senior year in um, in college. So I thank, I thank him. <laughs> well, I, that is the first thank you, and it sounds very sincere, to a fictional character that we've had on the podcast <laughs> yet. So. That that is that has become. I mean, that quote is pretty excellent. I think I'm not whoever. I don't know who wrote that. I mean, I know Sylvester Sloan wrote the first Rocky, right? He definitely wrote the first Rocky. Did he write that one too? Yeah. He wrote all of them. Did he? Um, and he wrote he wrote that quote. Yeah, and I like I have it memorized by the like back of my hand. Like I yeah, he he wrote it. Um, and I just listening to his story. I was always the underdog in a way. And then going to LMU, I was the walk-on. I was the younger dog. 
and he was the underdog. How did he overcome it? I was like, hey, if Rocky can do it, I can do it kind of thing. Um, And and he, and in his life, Sylvester Stallone was poor and all he had to sell his dog for money. And then now look at him. Um, And he keeps working hard because he doesn't want to go back to what his life was like back then. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so we got to pause. Coach Nadalna just made a face. He was uh, very surprised at that story. I've heard that story too. Can you tell the story about the dog? Because that, like, that's like, that's a, isn't that, that's a crazy one. I love it. He was so broke. He, uh, he was trying to get people to buy his movie, and he was like, "Hey, I got a script. But the thing is, I want to play the leading role." And everybody was like, "No, no, you're not." Like hearing him talk, they're like, "You're not going to be a good actor. We don't want you to be the lead role." We'll take the script, but without you. And he said, absolutely not. So he went to multiple people, multiple producers, trying to trying to get someone to buy him and his script, and nobody would do it. So he ended up, that was kind of his job, is trying to get this movie sold. Um, so for money, for food, he, he did have to sell his dog at one point, uh, which was his kind of tipping point of like, okay, something's got to happen. Um, and and that's all I know about the story. But some obviously somebody ended up buying it and and let him play the role, and you know they're successful for it. Yeah. So uh, you're exactly right. So I, I got I, I can fill in some gaps. I think it's a totally worthwhile story. He um they they were pushing for it, like you said. They're like, who is this freaking? This guy can't pr- barely pronounce his words. We're not going to make him the star in this uh, in this film. Obviously, we know how that panned out, but um, they were essentially, he wasn't homeless, he wasn't living on the streets, but I think okay. he and his wife, but it was it was like right on the brink of that kind of, um, and it was essentially like, what a story of guts. It's like, do we give up on this? Like, how many more shots do we have to take before we give up on this dream? And they're like, well, we got this dog. <laughs> so so they, they sold their dog to a family, um, and I think... And and then it, and it wasn't too long after that that um, uh, it got picked up and and I and I think they 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 lived with the other the dog lived with the other family for like six months and then they were able to buy the dog back uh, and okay. he, it, it was like and it I know it's it's like touching dude it's like he 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 put everything on the line he loved this thing gave up the dog uh, it panned out and and at first the family that they sold it to was like uh, no like this is our dog now we feel like this is our dog now. Um, eventually they relented and, and gave it back and the, and, uh, the dog butt kiss Stallone <laughs> and we're in Chicago. So Dick butt kiss is an important name. Um, was in Rocky too. Yes, he was. That's what I was saying. I know that name. There you go. Butt kiss Stallone. So that's wild. That's wild. Um, okay. So what was it like in that first year when you had to balance like being a student at LMU, which is like a, very good it, it's a isn't alex did your sister go there my sister went there yeah yeah um it's a it's a great school my friend jim delaney went there too um so you're you're balancing being a student with um high level soccer not totally sure how this thing's going to pan out what were some things what were like some habits that you had during that time you like you said you you were you were a weight room fanatic you you obviously worked hard on the physical side what else would what what did your days look like well, I actually, so LMU is also in LA. I actually lived at USC with my sister. So on top of that, I was a commuter in LA. <laughs> so yeah. 
that was that was also tough. And I had a job because I I needed to make money because I was not on any any money at the time from soccer. Um, so my day was just you know wake up, drive in traffic, kind of like what my adult life is now. But uh, um, we have our you know morning weights, and I have classes, and I have afternoon practice, and I have more classes, and I drive home, and or I would work and then drive home. Um, but really, what just got me through it is just like the excitement of something new. The the possibilities, the opportunities, is what got like kept me going because you you kind of make of it how you want. Um, so I was I was just excited. Yeah, you know, and I I want to prove a point. It's it's not the chip on the shoulder, but in a in a way it is. But it's like, hey, I'm gonna show you what I can do. Um, and and luckily I did. But it was the the point that was bad is got to a job and I fell out of fell out of love in soccer, which shows I've played all my life. Um, just because of how hard it became to juggle everything. But if there's a will, there's a way. And I definitely had the will, and I had the work ethic and the determination. So it ended up to be a positive story. Love it. Okay, so now how do you take that um, and apply it to your day-to-day now? Uh, the, the traffic's probably similar. Oh, yeah. So I so I work in L.A., obviously, but I live in Orange County. Um, so, and just for just for financial reasons, trying to buy a house out in Southern California is, is very tough right now. Just like Chicago's not cheap either. So trying to trying to find a place to live, can't do it. So I'm commuting. I wake up at 4.15 every morning. I get to work and, you know, I live my day and then I drive back. It takes me about two hours to get back home and I go to bed. I make dinner and I go to bed. Um, so that's kind of that's like the day-to-day. But, oh, no, I, I absolutely love where I am because before this I came – so kind of like my – Kind of like the story. So, fell in love with strength and conditioning at LMU. Yeah. Um, did an LMU, did the internship at LMU my last semester of college. Uh, after that, I got an internship at USC. Um, and I was there for the fall semester of, it was 2014. And honestly, the most brutal experience of my life. Um, just because, I mean, it's a typical strength and conditioning internship. Everybody knows. But I didn't, I wasn't in the right mindset for what I was getting myself into. I was up at early, 4.30, and I, I worked from 5.15 to 7 almost every day just because I had I worked with all the teams other than the football, all the teams, and I was the only full-time intern, so I was cleaning nonstop. I was sweeping and mopping um, and anything other, any other coaches needed, I was there. Um, and I'm obviously really grateful that I did it. Uh, everything happens for a reason. Obviously, I work here now. But doing it all over again, I don't know if I could just because it was so brutal. Um, I've definitely grown mentally, which will help me with that challenge, you know, working here now and having the tough hours. But, yeah, that internship was the hardest thing I've done and very grateful for it. Um, and after my internship at USC, I did an internship at Velocity in Irvine. Did that with the NFL Combine guys, got them ready. Um, it was cool learning a different aspect of strength conditioning, uh, more of the private sector, and I ended up getting hired. We got bought out by physical therapy place. Um, so I worked in the private sector for about two years while getting my master's at Cal State Fullerton for exercise science. 
and graduated last May. A few months later, I get a text message like, hey, we have a job, op- a spot open at USC. Interview for it. I happen to interview for it. And I can still remember the day that Ivan Lewis, um, the head change coach here, called me and, and offered me the spot. And I've been working here since September. And it is, I didn't, I didn't know. And I told this to Ivan because this upfront, honest person, like, I don't know where I belong. Do I belong in the collegiate sector or the private sector? Um, the one part of me being a strength coach, I really want to impact lives. Like, I really want to build relationships, impact lives. And in the college world, you see them for an hour, and they're so ingrained in everything else in their life that they don't really want to be here. They they want to – not everybody, but majority of athletes would rather not work out. They just want to play their sport. They just want to go to practice. And I have the swimming team. They just want to swim. So I was like, how can I build relationships with people that don't want to be there? And and now I'm figuring out that's on me, you know, creating that buy-in. But And I told him, like, in the private sector, I can really get to know my athletes. I can really get to know my adults. And I feel like I'm doing more of helping a mom be able to walk her daughter and helping a dad be able to play with his son when he's older than, hey, mm-hmm. it's cool we're trying to, like, win national championships, but, like, how am I impacting their lives? Um, so I really didn't know what if I would be in the private sector or the public or collegiate sector, and and I told him that up front, and he's like, well, this is a once-in-a-lifetime chance, um, so it's up to you. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to take this, and I'm really glad I did because it's been an awesome experience. I've really found a way to still meet that need of impacting their lives, not only in the weight room, but just mentally. Um, and just being being a good person, being a good coach, and knowing that I'm there for them. My biggest thing is support. Like, I just want to support them. Um, and getting them to understand that and getting them to uh, really understand that I'm there for them has been a challenge for some of my teams, but it's been worthwhile. So I've honestly been very grateful for this opportunity. And I've only had one year, and I'm excited for the, this coming year because I definitely have grown as a coach just by coaching 50 athletes at one time and making everybody feel like they're getting the attention they need and, and then feeling that I'm, I care about their lives. Treating the human first before the athlete. So my yeah. biggest thing is when an athlete comes up to me and they're, like, kind of startled or, like, they're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm just like, you know what how's your day going like that's the always yeah. the first question i ask is how's your day going and i want an honest question because i can see it in their eyes i get to know these athletes personalities and i know when something's up and and i want them to be honest with me and just like as coaches we're vulnerable too we can we can show our vulnerability because once we show it you know maybe they'll open up a little bit and you know we're human too and and one thing i did learn in college um is that yes we play a sport but that's not who we are Kind of, I had to learn my mm-hmm. sophomore year. I fell into a deep hole because I was not playing. Soccer was not going right. It was not going my way. The head coach didn't like me, and I was like, I was in. I was like, I couldn't figure it out because I was like, soccer's my life. That is who I am. And and luckily, I had a sports psychologist that helped me dissociate. Like it's what I do. It's not who I am. So these athletes here, I really want them to understand. You know, we are human. There's more to life than sport. There really is because. Once you're done here, a lot of people, a lot of athletes don't go on. And so I was done playing soccer at 21 years old. That's mm-hmm. not my life. Like, I have so much life to live. Uh, so really getting them to understand that there is definitely more to life and that, you know, 
having a life outside of athletics is truly important and building relationships outside of athletics is truly important. So. Absolutely. So I, I think that's really valuable info. I think that's, um, going back to that idea, it's, it, you've nailed two things that we kind of preach all the time. And, and that's like, you're, you're trying to keep people safe and healthy. You mentioned that with your brother. Uh, and you're, and you're trying to make sure that you cultivate healthy relationships. It's, it's like, especially in the collegiate or, uh, you know, in the, uh, public sector or the, you know, the college, high school, what have you. Um, it's so clear that like, you're just going to have almost the complete spectrum of motivation, right? Like there are going to be some people who are into it and want to do it. And a lot of people like who want no business going in there. They're like, I came here to swim or I came here to play basketball or whatever. I don't want to spend hours and hours and hours, um, doing this. And then you, and obviously uh, variation in between. And the only way people are, you know, people talk about this all the time. Like, how do I generate uh, quote buy-in? How do I, how do I develop yeah. investment? It's like, like, okay, for starters, talk to the person, talk to the human being, figure out what's up with them. Don't, don't ask, uh, you know, swimmer X to show up and, and do, you know, the, the assortment of things that you had planned. Ask Brian, like, you know what I mean? Ask Stacy and figure out what's up with, with him or her and, and go from there. Okay. So, so what about you? What do you, what do you do? I actually have two questions. I was about to say, what do okay. you do to, um, to sort of like stay fit and model healthy habits and all that kind of stuff. And also what do you do to like enjoy yourself and relax? It sounds like you've been grinding a lot. Uh, but I bet there's a lot of like sunshine to soak up and, and cool things to do in LA. There, there definitely is. Um, well, I'll go on the fitness one. And, and my thing is like, if I hold my athletes to a certain standard and accountability, you better, you better be a coach that holds your, holds yourself to that standard. Um, and if I, my thing right now is like I do jujitsu, I run marathons. Uh, that's kind of like what I like to do. And now yeah. I'm really getting into tennis because I coach tennis. So I'm like, I love doing the sports that I coach because it's like I have no idea. So like I'm getting into tennis now. So I I just want to be the standard. So a lot of women, and I love to lift. I love to be strong. A lot of women are like, ah, oh, like I don't want to. We we know that. Like women don't like to lift. And even even I see in this sector um, and these athletes, it's been the hardest challenge to get these female swimmers to be okay with lifting. And even some of my tennis girls be okay with lifting. And I just show them, you can be strong as I am. And then I go work out with them, especially in the track workouts and my conditioning, and I will beat all of them. It's like, yeah. you can be the type of athlete that you want to be if you work at it. Like there's just because I'm really strong and I'm a bit thicker, I can still run. And I, I just want to be that kind of model and standard for them um, and set that example. And, and obviously, I want to look like a USC strength coach. I don't want to be like, you know, some – and the, my, my thing is, like, if I'm standing on the sideline of my – sideline of the courts, um, I want someone to be like, oh, who's a strength coach? Oh, that girl is. Like, or I'm on the, I'm on the pool deck, and everybody's like, oh, you have a female strength coach? Oh, oh, that's her. Like, I want people like, yeah, that's – yeah. That's who that is. Um, so that's why I really stay active. But also, I just love competing. And uh, being done with soccer and not getting a chance to compete, you really have to find something else that, okay, where can I really challenge myself and compete? Because uh, you're an athlete for life, and that, that mindset does not go away. Um, yeah. 
but as far as doing things in LA, like it, it, it's kind of a bummer because I don't live in LA. I live in Orange County, and but uh, I did obviously through college, and I just I love LA. I love Venice Beach, Hermosa Beach, Manhattan Beach. I love the beach side of it. Um, and unfortunately, I don't I don't go out much, and uh, just because I'm at USC most of my days, um, all day long. So I wish I did because it's a it's a very fun place. Well, I think that's um we've we've mentioned like uh the grind and like being willing to go through stuff a lot i think that's kind of like uh one of the big challenges for anyone who's trying to get into strength and conditioning or coaching in general is like you you've made the decision ultimately that like you are going to grind like it's just like a life choice now the trade-off though is that your job is fun as hell like you like you're gonna spend a lot of time at your job and doing your work but like but you, but you're always engaged in something you love, and that's something that um, I'll speak for myself, and I think Alex might agree, and, and hopefully the other coaches we have working on the project would agree with this. That like, it's not like the work's gonna go away all of a sudden. Uh, for you, it's like the next group is gonna, you know, every year there's a new group of people. Yeah. The work doesn't go away, but that's okay. I think if, with the right association to the word work, if nothing else. Um, then, then you just kind of become cool with that because, like, I think about this every once in a while. We got football season coming up, and I coach football as well. Um, and it's like, dude, like, like doubles suck. I don't know how else to say it. It's just like ton, tons of hours in the in the August heat and all that kind of stuff. But uh, but then you're like, wait a minute, like I'm out here in the open air running around, uh, you know, coaching football. Where, you know, and, and not, not to knock desk jobs in any way. And I don't want to like get up on a pedestal here and, and make a, like a fight club type reference. But like the idea of sitting down at a desk, like showing up at a place at, at 8 or 9 a.m. And just sitting down at a desk and then leaving when it's time to leave and whatever, like punching the clock and then starting my life afterwards. Like that doesn't sound very appealing. Uh, and I, I think yeah. I'm, I'm, I think I'm saying all this so you feel better about not being able to go out in LA that much, uh, because because like in a lot of ways like you're living a lot of coaches' dreams, right? Like you went from intern to coach at USC in a beautiful yeah. place, incredible uh, athletics and academics, probably great people all around. Yeah, I, I could I could not be happier. And private sector, you're really you're really grinding. You're. And yeah. and what I didn't like about the private sector was the sales job. And like you said here, like athletes are always coming in. I don't I don't have to, you know, comfort them because they're not gonna buy my another package to train with me. No, I'm gonna tell them straight up how it is because you know, yeah. <laughs> some people just need to be told. Um, but yeah, I I'm very fortunate. I give gratitude as much as I can for for my life and just where I've come um, come from and. You know, it is it is a blessing. I love I love it here. I love it at SD. I'm surrounded by really good people. Um, so it's been a blessing. That's awesome. Well, that's encouraging to hear, and it's the perfect transition to what we call the lightning round. Are you sitting down? <laughs> yes. All right, uh, Alex, you're up. All right, let's do this. Number one, what is your favorite local restaurant? Oh, it's called Trejos. It's in uh, the USC Village. Uh, it's Mexican food, so it's it's delicious. Trejos, T R E J O S. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm white. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm not even saying it right. 
But I'm pretty sure it's Trejo. I no, I think that I I shouldn't say <laughs> whether I think that's right or not. I I don't know. Trejo. Um, Trejo. Which Rocky opponent would you least like to face, and why? Uh, Draco, because he's massive. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'd be Draco. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Mr. T is not pleased with that, but but it makes sense. <laughs> I could take Mr. T. Mr. T is not a problem. That's fair. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, you okay with that? I don't. That's more confidence in Mr. T. But well, regardless, <laughs> Alex is a huge fan of the A Team. I don't know if you remember that show. No. No, I haven't. No. Cut that. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um. What is one special skill that you have that people may not know about? God, now I'm trying to think of all the skills I have. I don't. I mean, I can move my tongue like back and forth, like I can flip it upside down um, in multiple directions. So I guess I can, which sounds really weird to say, but a lot of people don't know that about me. There you go. There you go. That's like, isn't that? Uh, you remember out in like junior high? Some people can make you. It's like. You can either fold it in half, you can like fold your tongue in half, or you can make like a W with it, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, so I can Double do both of those, and then I can like flip it upside down and stuff like that. All right. Wow. Backup, we'll call that your back, we can skip the next question, what's your backup career? Um, yeah, that. <laughs> no. Perfor performance art. Um, who is one coach that has influenced you heavily along the way, and what made them special? It probably have to be um, my mentor here. His name is Chris Chase. Um, he really got the ball rolling and just their direction of my strength and conditioning career and my, my thought process. And he is just very methodical of how he coaches, how he programs. And, of course, we know now, but, like, everything's got to have a why. Don't just put it on a program and just, like, oh, because it's cool and I saw it on Instagram, whatever. Like, why is that there? Push, pull, you know, what – sets of reps like he thought about everything and he and he was always continuing um education on his own so very avid learner so i was like you know what i want to be an avid learner too because if i'm not learning if i'm not growing then i feel like i'm cheating my athletes um because i'm not getting better so he really taught me how to how to just be a strength coach and what kind of strength coach i wanted to be so he he got the ball rolling there so very appreciative for him all right, last one. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give to a future leader who's about to embark on a similar journey to yours? One piece. Well, there's, I, mean, I mean, of course there's multiple, but uh, be grateful for the hard times and um, just, just be careful of them, embrace them. Um, and just be an avid learner. You have to constantly be be learning and being growing um, and growing. So uh, I like to, you know, obviously meditation. Meditation has been a real tool of mine, and I'm trying to get all my athletes to do it, just be mindful and, and meditate, and also give gratitude for things in your life and opportunities. Um, and I think that's, like, the one advice that is not a strength and conditioning advice, but it will help you in other aspects of your life that will carry over to strength and conditioning and just really getting you to understand what's important. And it's not how much weight you can lift, not how fast you can run, but, you know, are you a good person? Are you a good human? And that will help you be a better athlete um, and a better coach. Love it. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that, that's fantastic. So 
what a perfect like kind of note to end on like for sure we identify it sounds like you might agree with this that like the the only absolute certainty to your athletic career once you start it is that it's going to end eventually and and i don't want that to sound like morbid or anything like that but like you're only a swimmer or a basketball player for so long uh and the question is like what what you know we obviously we probably all see educate um athletics is an incredible uh, learning environment it's got great educational potential uh but the question becomes like what are we teaching for what are we coaching for um what really matters like you say what's the big picture yeah exactly what's the big picture that's exactly right and, and if we're if we're doing things like if we're if we're building strength only physically and that doesn't transfer somehow mentally or or, or in terms of process or yeah, just like mental fortitude, if that doesn't translate into the rest of our life, then what really are we doing? Because um, yeah. a big bench press or whatever, that looks cool on Instagram once. Uh, and, and then what, what have you got? Um, no offense to people who have big bench presses. But like, you, you got to be doing something else in the process. It definitely sounds like you are. Yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely trying to. And, and staying in the college sector, trying to get these athletes to understand now, I'm not going to get my whole swim team to meditate and give like gratitude for where they're at, um, or just to be in the present moment. Yeah. I it's been really hard just to buy them in because the first thing I said when I met him, I'm going to be straight up honest with you. I'm not a swimmer. I don't look like a swimmer, but I have researched, I have experienced it, and I'm here to help you as a person as and as an athlete. Um, so getting yeah. them to buy into the other piece of like meditation, not yet, but my tennis team. They are so bought in. And the one thing that I love to hear as a coach is how I have impacted somebody's life. And mm-hmm. just just hearing, like, one of my swimmers coming up to me, like, man, I felt so powerful off the blocks. Or one of yeah. my tennis girls saying, like, in that moment before my serve, like, I was present. Because I taught mm-hmm. them how to, hey, can you feel your feet on the floor? Can you feel the wind? Like, be in that present moment because that's all that matters. Like, just trying to teach them teach them life skills that hopefully like they will carry on to the rest of their life, not just help them with athletics. That's so good. And like, that's so good. And we can almost restart the podcast right there because it's just like that. I mean, that alone is so valuable. I'll say that you've hit on three things that, that you just kind of can't do without. You talked about health and wellness. You talked about relationships and like the whole human being. Now you're talking about mindfulness. And, and I would say that like, uh, if anyone's got like an aversion to mindfulness, like they think mindfulness is soft. Yeah, I actually just did. I was, I felt, I feel very privileged to have, uh, had a couple presentations at the last NSCA conference and one of them was on mindfulness and it's like, like, what do you not, I, we have to ask this to football coaches and, and, and certain athletes now and then, uh, like, what do you, what's the issue with mindfulness? And it really, the, the honest feedback we get from people is just, it sounds soft. It doesn't sound like the thing that they're there to do. Like, you're here to play freaking linebacker at USC, and you want me to do meditation and mindfulness? But really, it's it's just the stigma. Because like, like you just said, which is so, I'm, I'm happy to hear that your tennis players are benefiting from it. It's like, what what is it other than like being present? In fact, I start a lot of these presentations, it's like, like Tom Brady is about to start the final drive to go try to win a Super Bowl. Like, what is he doing if not practicing mindfulness? He's like, he's got to be the calm within the storm. He's got to be right there, present in the moment. You talk about like weight distribution and stuff like that. He's in a state of analysis. Like, yeah, you want to get hyped up and compete, no question. But the ability to pay attention and be thoughtful and be in the moment, um, 
seems it's it's gonna it's like an ever growing need, especially like with the assault of technology, and even maybe it's even just driving home in yeah. L.A. traffic, you know. Yeah, and, and I mean, of course, when you're in that state, of course, you've heard of the flow state, and so it's like. Yep. You, you can't you can't be in the flow state if you're not present. That's just, just it just that's right. you know I learned that in in my grad program. I had Tracy Statler, who's a well known um, psychologist for the USA Track Team, um, really taught me about mindfulness and just like the benefits and and getting into that flow state. And yeah, it, it sounds soft. It's not it's not exactly hard science, but yeah, Asha has a lot of benefit and uh, and I've I've witnessed it myself. Um, really just like in the morning before I get out of the car to go to work, I give myself a pep talk and I'm like yeah. grateful and I feel, feel my, my butt on the chair. I feel my feet on the bottom of the ground. Like, just like, here I am right now. Let's, mm. let's, let's go. Let's, what am I grateful for at this moment? Um, mm. and that's, and luckily, yeah, my, my teams have, and it's not only just, you know, being present, but like, and we've been doing this for years, imagery, like, you mm-hmm. do want to you want to want to do imagery. Imagery does work, you know. I believe Tom Brady does imagery um, too. He like does, said, but yeah, he he does visualization for sure. If um, he does that, something's working. Yeah, it's right. Just copy the processes of the most successful people in the freaking world. So, um, I I I would I, I got to ask this last question. Um, do you know Andy Galpin? Did you study under him? We had him on the podcast recently. Uh, yes. Uh, very nice guy. I love that guy. But I did. I didn't. I didn't take any classes. I didn't study under him. I, uh, he was not my advisor, but know him very well. I know um, another guy. His name is PJ Nestler. He's also one of yeah. my mentors. Really yeah. good friends with. Yeah, yeah. I worked with PJ for about three years, and and he's one of my really good friends. And so knew him, met him, then met Galpin. So yeah. Seems like a, PJ. We don't know. Uh, we uh, we don't know PJ at all, but he seems like a great guy. And and, oh, yeah. and, and I only ask that because of the Fullerton st- um, stuff that's going on. It seems like there's a lo- that area is kind of a hotbed for some pretty great research coming out. Oh yeah, it is, and I'm I'm just very fortunate to have been a part of it. Uh, yeah. But yes, yeah, very very good stuff. And if PJ Nestler, he's a he's a good guy. To, he's working with XPT right now, but uh, he's a very good guy and very insightful. Yeah. Seems like it. Yeah. All right. Well, listen. If we reach out to him, we'll we'll tell him you say hello. I hope that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, of course. You name drop. <laughs> um, and and then and and maybe maybe we can end there. That because that um uh, your your comment about um like self talk and and um being present and like just well self talk is the word uh, present and mindful and reassuring and grateful like that's the way to go. We actually. I, I said this was the way to end, but I can't stop talking. These are cool ideas. Uh, we just added we just added someone to our advisory board. Her name is Lisa Feldman Barrett. She's fantastic. She's like a legit. She's such a she's a neuroscience um, professor and researcher out at Northeastern in Boston. And she's well, she's just like an awesome, cool person too. Um, but she like I, I I wonder if she would agree with this. We we had a long conversation of just um, just how important language is. Not, not only in terms of like, it's, it's obviously uh, important in the work that we, we all do because like coaching is communicating and language is essential communication and as valuable as uh, nonverbal cues are, and they're totally valuable. Um, language is the thing that actually sticks with people for a long time. Meaning, uh, if, when you self-talk, you're not self, you know, when you're in your own head, you're not in your own head non-verbally. 
if that makes sense. So if, if you have associations, like if, if you're if you're always like, man, LA traffic or Chicago traffic sucks, I don't wanna go get into traffic again, you know, and you're just like, and you're talking like that, um, like language breeds thought. Thought is a major contributor to how emotions and behaviors are framed. Um, so, so just that ability is, is, it sounds so key and it's cool to hear that you, that you do it every day. Absolutely. And I, and I didn't always like last, this past, I think the fall when I first started, I was like, gosh, this sucks waking up at four thirty. Like I can't hear the, like, it was very, it was like, my world was like, what, what's going on? And, and now like, just because I changed my language, it's helped mm-hmm. me a lot. And, yeah. and, and when athletes like, no, I have to be here. And it's always like that. Okay. Make the switch. Like I get to be here. I know they get annoyed of me saying it, but I'm like, guys, like, honestly, there's something to the language. And, and a lot of athletes, some, some athletes, negative self-talk gets them going. There's only a far and few between, but, uh, mostly it's, it's positive. Like, especially the weight room, I got a girl that's never lifted a weight, like confidence. Let's go. You can do this. But yeah, I love positive self-talk and just changing what's going on in your head and, and how you speak to yourself is is part of training too, training the mind. That's right. So, yeah, it's totally right. And like you said, if it's good enough for the best, it's uh, it's probably worth us as coaches to try to spread those things. So yeah, um, I mean, getting it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, we really appreciate your time today. You're awesome. The work you're doing is awesome. I really encourage people to follow you. What? How do how do they find you on social media? Uh, just Coach Pika, Coach P Y K A. And I, I mean, I post, I know a lot of coaches don't because we're always like, oh, we're so busy. But, you know, I learn things to share. And then the yeah. information that I have, like, I didn't invent it. So I'm just trying to, the more we pass on good information, especially when it comes to training and also, you know, training the mind, you know, they can they can ask me any questions they want. Feel free to reach out. I'm always, I'm an open book when it comes to that stuff because I just want to help Coach Pike. I love it. Well, then, yeah, I, I certainly encourage all listeners to reach out to you. I hope you don't don't get uh, bombarded by all of our listeners because um, we have tons. Like my mom is going to be in contact with you uh, <laughs> and Alex's mom and some of our friends. Uh, no, but it, I, I really do appreciate it. And next time when, uh, yeah, when we're in L.A., we're going to be sure to look you up. So oh, thank you very much. I would love to show you the facility. And thank you so much for having me on. I really, really had a good time. So thank you for that. This episode brought to you by Hand Armor Chalk, the official chalk of USA Weightlifting. They are also the official sponsor of the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, a partner organization overseen by the Good Athlete Project. We would not support a product we didn't believe in. Check them out at Hand Armor Chalk on Twitter and Instagram.